0: This is Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. Construction Law Today is a podcast about current topics in American construction law. Your host for Construction Law Today is Buzz Tarlow. Welcome to Construction Law
1: Today. This is a brand new project of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. Over the course of our next several podcasts, I'll be interviewing a number of prominent practitioners in the area of construction law. We welcome your comments and questions about the podcast. Please let us know if you like it, if you find it useful, or any other thoughts you have on how we can improve the podcast. The contact information for construction law today is provided at the end of this podcast. Welcome and thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast, we have a great program for you today. As many of you are aware, the construction industry has had a long tradition of using form documents for a variety of transactions in the construction process. Groups such as the AIA, the American Institute of Architects, and the Engineers Group, the EJCDC, as well as the Associated General Contractors of America, over the years have produced a variety of forms of documents. We're really lucky to have with us today Brian Perlberg, who's the executive director of Consensus Docs, one of the groups that prepares and promulgates these kinds of documents. Good morning, Brian. How are you? I'm well, Buzz. How are you doing? Excellent. Let's begin. Tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and um, your role with Consensus Docs.
2: Sure. So I live just outside the Washington, D.C. official city limits with my wife, Rebecca, who I met in law school. We have an eight-year-old daughter named Lila, who is the apple of our eye. And uh, I'm a big Maryland sports fan, you name it, Ravens,
1: Terps, and uh, the pathetic Orioles. I'm in. (laughs) And they are pathetic indeed. Consensus Docs, tell me a little about the history so, we've been, we're getting ready to celebrate our 12th year
2: of existence, and it took about three years to get to the finish line, and it's really an effort to try to do something a little bit different. Sure, we've had standard form documents for over 100 years, but some leadership within AGC said, instead of trying to do our own thing, shouldn't we try to get everybody's bug on these documents? And to actually do that, we had to give everybody an equal seat at the drafting table. And lo and behold, while it didn't seem like it'd be possible, we actually did get to the finish line of getting to consensus to try to come up with something that is different that would be a better foundation to build through better contracts.
1: So the foundation, or at least the origin of consensus docs, is in the those of us old enough to remember the AGC forms. Is that right? That's right. So, the Intellectual Property
2: Foundation was built off of the AGC documents, and the Construction Owners Association of America also threw in their documents into the ring, and both of those groups no longer published their own standard documents. And then what we did is went through each document section by section, line by line, and vetted those contracts and then originally we published those through the old DocuBuilder system that was donated also by AGC. Uh, so it definitely comes from the numbering and the even some of the writing style originally had its orientation from the AGC documents. But I'd also note that It's been 12 years, and we've gone through two major revision cycles, which we do every five years. So I'd like to think at this point that we've created our own identity as a coalition effort.
1: Well, introduce me a little bit to the Consensus Docs family. I I know you produce a variety of... contracts. How would I how would I begin to understand what's available? And then I'd like to talk about what's the philosophy of the family of documents. Well that's a good question. So we organize the documents and we have
2: over a hundred standard contract documents by project delivery method and I love talking about project delivery methods because usually those are determined by your contractual relationships so for the traditional process we have our 200 series documents and those are the ones in some ways our flagship because the general conditions are embedded into our the 200 owner general contractor or constructor agreement and then the owner architect or engineer we call it a design professional those are in our 200 series and that those terms and philosophies kind of run throughout. The 300 series is our collaborative and integrated project delivery documents. The 400 series is our design build documents, which might be our most used in some ways, as far as percentage of the marketplace. Then the 500 series has construction management at risk. The 800 series is construction management agency, as well as consultant agreements. The 700 series are subcontracts only. And then we just created a 900 series because we are about to release a P3 or public-private partnership project delivery method.
1: Well, the P3 is of particular interest to me in my practice, but let's leave that aside just for a minute. Let's talk philosophy. How do I understand where the consensus docs are coming from? So I mentioned before that
2: we're trying to do something different and in some ways philosophically and foundationally, we're a little bit different than the contracts that you're used to seeing. I would describe that as well. We're trying to, the first thing is reach consensus is to not favor one segment of the industry, but truly focus on what's going to drive project success. And that's really the key for us to get to consensus. The other aspects is you'll see the owner of the project. We look at them as having the most to gain or lose. So the owners take a more active role in the construction process and making approvals as the default, which they can, if they want to be passive and that traditional role of a check payer, they can defer. And last but not least, I would say fundamentally is that we really have primacy of direct communications and positive communications as a means for trying to come out with better project outcomes. And so you'll see a lot of the writing encourages direct party communications. I guess the fourth thing would be, we really do believe in having good legal writing is just good writing, and so the style of the documents are more straightforward.
1: Who are the players within the consensus docs process? So it started out with
2: 20 organizations, and I always highlight the three owner organizations. COA, CURT, and NASFA, because that in some ways is a unique part of the process. You have a large component of general contractors like AGC, who you've mentioned, ABC, NUCA. You have a a plethora of specialty or subcontractor organizations. I would say that ASA, the Subcontractors Association, and ASC, which is a coalition of many subcontractor organizations like any NECA and MCAA are at the table. And then last but not least are professional organizations, surety organizations like NSBP, as well as some design organizations uh, like CSI are part of the coalition effort.
1: Explain to our listeners a little bit about how these documents are available and where they can see how they're organized and so on. You have a website, Absolutely. You know, I guess when I started
2: working in-house counsel for associations, we did sell some paper contracts, but now we don't do that. Uh, There's no paper available. We sell them on the website, consensusdocs.org. You go to the website, you can register for free and see sample downloads for free. And then to actually use the documents on a project, we have some variety of subscription packages that run from you can sort of pay as you go with um, a set amount of minimum purchase to our most popular packages to get all of the documents for as much as you want for a year. And all of our subscriptions are, except for that first one, are unlimited with the documents that you have access to.
1: Would you tell our listeners your website address so that they can uh, take a look at that if they're interested? Sure. I guess
2: I should be a better salesperson in mentioning that. It's consensus docs. So consensus, D-O-C-S dot O-R-G. And a little side note is the, the docs and consensus docs is a double entendre that designers, owners, contractors, and subcontractors slash surety is also the acronym for docs.
1: That was one of my favorite aspects. I remember when Consensus Docs began, and I thought, if nothing else, you were very creative. (laughs) Thanks, Buzz. I guess I could take some credit with
2: that, Uh, along with uh, a marketing consultant, uh, Pat Wilson, who helped us create that uh, brand identity.
1: Let's talk a little. I'm I'm interested, Brian, in your comments with regard to bringing owners into projects. Often, owners feel like they're in in some sense, a, a bystander or a, a necessary uh, part, but not really included among construction professionals. Consensus Docs takes a little different view, don't they?
2: Absolutely. And the owners who are at our drafting table felt left out and they felt frustrated. I remember Koa saying that they had participated in another group's commenting and they made 28 suggestions. And 27 were rejected, except one for including a comma was accepted. And so they get frustrated. And then what happens in projects is the upstream party, and the owners are the most upstream party, they then just change the standards to meet their needs. And so you can take a balanced document, and then that party is going to mark it up and make it unbalanced. So we really felt it was important for owners to be drivers and deciders in not just drafting the documents, but in the process that they can decide later if they want to defer those decisions to a professional. But it's really the having the end in mind of that the owner is the client was a really important part of what's in the docs.
1: And that's really interesting about how owners are involved. I want to ask you a question from the lawyer's perspective. And I'm sure those of us who have used consensus docs or AIA forms have all run into that problem of how do you track the changes in the documents? How well is the software oriented towards letting parties see what modifications may be made for a particular project? How does your system work?
2: Sure. Well, I'll I'll give you a quick, I'll ask you a quick question. Are you familiar with Microsoft Word, right? Sure. So starting in 2000, I think 12, we moved from our proprietary system to basically work off a Word and created a technology platform that works with Word. So you download the standard document, you make all your changes, and then you can go through our system to email those out to collaborators and other parties. And there's a document management system with numbering, like a a version 1.0, and if it's internal, it's 1.1. And then you can either do things offline and email, which I get the sense most people are more comfortable doing, or you can go through our system But at the end of the day, when you finished your contract, you just need to upload it, and you strip out the draft watermark, and when you're ready to sign it, it becomes a PDF with the secure ID. So the bottom line here is it's maybe not as intuitive as I want it to be, but we try to make it as intuitive as using a Word document, and I think we've done a decent
1: job in that regard. I can tell you that this is an important Issue to those of us out in the, the world uh, working with these documents. So I encourage anything you can do to make it more user friendly uh, to keep right at it. Well, we'll take a short break right now, I'll be right back with more of the podcast. We're back with more construction law today. Our guest is Brian Perlberg, who's the executive director of Consensus Docs. Brian, before we took the break, I noticed you'd used a number of acronyms to describe, among other things, uh, some owners' groups. Could we go back and have you say what the full names of those organizations are? Sure. Sorry about that. You know, using acronyms is actually one of my pet peeves. So I
2: guilty as charged. So the three largest owner groups in the country are the National NASFA, the National Associations of State Facilities Administrators, COA, Construction Owners Association of America. They're probably the biggest owners group, and then I work really closely with them. And then CURT, Construction Users Roundtable, which tends to be more the Fortune 500 type companies who are part of their membership.
1: I appreciate that. So let's talk in the second half about some of the new things that uh, consensus docs are working on. One of the things that you mentioned when we first started talking is uh, a P3 standard document. Now let's start at the beginning with this. First of all, what's a P3? Public-private partnerships. And, and why does something uh, called a P3 need a different document?
2: Well, you know, for starters, one of the reasons is we don't even use the term owner in our P3 agreements because it might not necessarily be the owner who you're contracting with and the parties are different. Uh, We actually call it a user for the owner who could be public or private or, or sort of a custodian. And then the financing is totally different. And probably the most significant thing that's really kind of exciting for us is that We're not finished at final completion. It includes an operations, maintenance, and often a lease back component to it. So the commercial terms are so different. And then the thought process of the life cycle of the project that you're dealing with is entirely different.
1: Well, let's give our listeners some examples of P3 projects that either you've been working on or that the consensus docs would uh, be appropriate for.
2: So Ernie Brown is our chair, and he's had experience with
1: probably 30 uh, or, or several P3
2: projects. And, and I'm a little bit in the ivory tower, but certainly uh, I, there's the famous courthouse in California uh, that actually one of our uh, volunteers has experienced, where it's a, a more unusual. Instead of a highway, it's a, a, a civil infrastructure or that's a building that is over 30 years, going to be given back to the, uh, the public entity after its use uh, of generating funds.
1: It sounds real interesting. Would a listener be able to find out more about that document on your website? Sure. So we're
2: about to release it, and it's going to be the Consensus Docs 900. And it, we actually have the information up already. And it's something that if you register, you can actually download and get a sample for free.
1: That sounds like a great deal. Let's talk next about. I know this is a um, a relatively new project for the consensus document. I've, I've seen this document, this lean construction addendum. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Sure. So one of the things that I really like about my job is that we're always trying to do something new and and something that is innovative that that hasn't been done before that meets. Uh, as far as standard documents. So we had developed in 2007 when we originally launched a integrated project delivery document. And the most recent version of is, okay, hey, wait, this is not IPD. We maybe are working with something like CM at risk, but we want to incorporate lean tools, more collaborative behavior, and some financial incentives. So we created an addendum to memorialize that higher level of uh, collaboration in a contract that
1: is able to just be attached with something like CM at rest you're used to doing so just to break down this a little bit ipd integrated project delivery that's what you're talking about right Mm-hmm. and this addendum brings in some of those characteristics of early cooperation uh, among multiple parties on a construction project is is that the idea Absolutely.
2: Along with lean construction tools.
1: Is that another thing that uh, someone could find on the website if they're interested in learning more about that?
2: Well, you know, Lean Construction Institute, LCI, is one of the consensus docs organizations. They probably have more comprehensive information along with AGC on that. I actually just got a... uh, went through a whole course trying to, to understand it better there's a lot involved uh, but there's there's a lot of in the internet and just to sort of highlight using pool planning and pool scheduling rather than something that is very fixed and traditional is and the last planner system is something that's a signature
1: issue that's involved with lean construction let me talk to you a little bit about the way consensus docs fits into the world of uh, standard construction agreements. Now, certainly in my practice, and I suspect this is true for many of our listeners, the AIA has been around a long time and people are quite familiar with those documents. How does consensus docs differ or to what extent are consensus docs like the AIA docs? Well, they're, they're similar in
2: that they address the same contractual relationships, but we, like I said before, we're trying to do things a little bit differently, and we, we're not necessarily tied to something that it was created 100 years ago and, and evolving. We try to take something a little bit of a fresher approach and really think about, okay, while this might not be a common practice, this is best practice. So, for instance, when you're dealing with directed changes, we have a system where 50% of the money goes to the contractor so that they're not um, squeezed out of something that they disagree is a change. And so, that's something where we're looking at taking a different approach on some of those provisions. But sure, we have the same indemnif we have indemnification, and we address all those fundamental and comprehensive contract issues that you must and should have in your construction contracts.
1: Well, let's look at that a little bit from the practitioner's point of view. Now, my practice is in the Rocky Mountain West, and I occasionally see consensus docs, and you and I have talked over the years about what forms you might have that would work for a project that I'm involved in. Um, what's your perception of um, how consensus docs are moving in the uh, in the form of lawyers looking at these kinds of uh, transactions. Sure. So,
2: you know, what I always say is my biggest obstacle is inertia, because people are used to doing the same thing, and they've been trained on it, and that is definitely true both in construction and heck, the legal field is that's that's our training is is precedent and that's the way it was done before. I think we're doing a great job. I would like to see us as the most common standard document. We're probably number two. We're not RC Cola. We're probably Pepsi for construction contracts. And we have tools now. We have a track record. I'm looking at my bookshelf right now, and there's a couple big red well, Walters Kluwer's books that have construction contract documents handbook for consensus docs, And we're included in the big book of alternative clauses to standard contract documents. So, We're not a flash in the pan. My system tells me we've had 160,000 contracts finalized over the last five years that I guesstimate is $40 billion of construction put in place. And so we're being used, but we're not being used as, as much as others. But I would do one side note. The most common standard document is none of the above because the industry as a whole hasn't really rallied around one standard anymore.
1: Let's talk about some of the fundamental differences of what I might see in the consensus stocks approach as opposed to other um, standard contracts. Are there some things you can identify? Sure. So one thing for sure
2: is the role of the owner. We have owners taking a more active role in making decisions, and they're not looked at as just being a, a check payer they can, of course, defer those decisions to their design professional or other CM agent, for instance. The constructor or the general contractor uh, has more obligations in adding value throughout the process. And then fundamentally, the design professional, uh, their responsibilities is commensurate with their responsibilities, but they're not seen as the protector of the owner from the the hen in the hen house uh, with the, the contractors seen as a uh, someone you should have at arm's length.
1: Let me put you on the spot a little bit and let me ask you about a couple of particular contract provisions that, that I see a lot of uh, discussion about in my practice. For example, indemnification provisions. Uh, consensus doc, done some thinking about how those should work?
2: Yes. you know What I will say about our indemnification provision is that it's so fair that it might be one of those provisions that you'll see modified uh, partially because it's so important, but like you're used to seeing in some legislation, you are only indemnifying the party to the extent of your negligence or intentional acts. But here's what's, where we go even farther is if you pay defense costs beyond your negligence, there's actually a callback provision where you can recoup those if you were held uh, responsible for defense costs that were beyond your responsibility. And the thought process there is we want to be fair, and we also want there to be an incentives to not hold on to a claim forever, thinking that you're going to get uh, you're, that it's someone else is going to defend you.
1: You're sparking some uh, ideas in my head about a current project I'm I'm working on. Another another uh, provision that comes up a lot of dispute resolution uh, clauses. Consensus doc uh, have anything interesting to offer there?
2: Yes. Uh, thanks for asking. You know, to me, it's one of our signature provisions, and sometimes people use provisions in consensus docs without using them in whole cloth, and the dispute mitigation. Um, procedures, we actually emphasize uh, resolve, uh, mitigating disputes without having them become intractable. So we actually require the parties to talk to one, or, one another directly. And so the thought is we make the parties talk to one another so that they try to come to a resolution and they're acting positively and communicating directly before they get in their turtle shells and that their claims become intractable.
1: I want to ask you a question that I've been thinking about for a while as I was preparing for our podcast today. Once in a while, a client will come to me and say, I want a really tough contract, for example, if I'm representing an owner. I really want this to be a pro-owner deal. Um, Consensus Doc seems to be, to some extent, the antithesis of that kind of thinking. What's your thought? Well,
2: you know, I'm not in the business
1: of writing consensus docs and fair
2: contracts because it makes me feel good, although I like this approach and it it jibes with my personal philosophy. We do it because it works better. You know, we haven't seen the number of cases in commensurate with the number of people using our contracts because it works better. Our industry and the way, quite frankly, lawyers sometimes in writing contracts are upside down on this about protecting the owner, it comes to bite them back in in the rear because there's always a way to get around that with some of the judicial interpretations that it's so much better to focus on project success and trying to uh, treat people fairly. It just works.
1: Well, next time I have a client who asks me to do that, I'm going to uh, think of your uh, philosophy on that.
2: Brian. Hey, hey, Buzz, I'll just, I actually have some studies that I can share with you or your listeners later that actually scientifically shows that to be the case.
1: That would be fascinating. So why don't we um, wrap up today, Brian? Would you say your website again so that uh, people can get in touch with you if they're interested?
2: Sure. It's ConsensusDocs.org. And my name's Brian Proberg, and with a little bit of an unusual last name, I'm the most relevant on uh, LinkedIn or probably Googling it, and I'm always available to be a resource.
1: Well, it's great. It's really been fun talking with you today. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks you so much.
0: You have been listening to Construction Law Today, the podcast of the American Bar Association's Forum on Construction Law. All rights relating to this podcast are owned and controlled by the American Bar Association. No reproduction or reuse of this podcast is permissible without the express written consent of the American Bar Association. For more information about construction law today, or if you have any questions or comments, you may contact our host, Buzz Tarlow, jtarlow at lawmt.com. Our podcast is produced with the assistance of Peak Recording Studios in Bozeman, Montana. Thank you for listening and look for our next edition of Construction Law Today.